1: Welcome everyone to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast series. I'm Raya Mohammed, a writer and moderator with Becker's Healthcare. And I am absolutely thrilled to have with me today for the first time on the podcast Akansha Delani, resident physician in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Ms. Delani, so nice to talk with you today. How are you?
2: I'm well. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you so much. Well, Uh, Today, we'll be discussing all things tech and um, some major topics that are happening in technology, including AI and all of that fun stuff. Um, The first question I wanted to ask you is, what ChatGPT use cases exist in mental health today?
2: Yeah, so recently, I have found myself using ChatGPT more and more. Um, And like anything else, the more I use it, the more proficient I become at asking it what I truly want, the better results I get. And then in the end, the more time I end up saving, and ultimately that's an invaluable outcome. I use ChatGPT for things like patient care instructions um, in multiple languages, by the way, and I try to be specific. So, for example, I'll say write me patient care instructions for lithium usage, including dosing, lab follow-up and toxicity at a fifth grade reading level in both Spanish and English. I also use it to write prior authorizations and I've actually had pretty good luck with it so far. I use it to make therapy worksheets for patients specific to situations that they're dealing with. So uh, it gives you a lot and it's a really great tool. I don't think it's a replacement for clinical care, but it really supplements a lot of the work that we do. Um, things that I don't necessarily think that chat is quite um, perfect for at this time uh, is specific case use examples where patients have complex medical histories. So an example is that I am currently on the consult service and I got a question to provide medication recommendations for, pa- for a patient with a worrisome heart rhythm I was just playing around with ChatGPT and I asked ChatGPT to come up with something and I actually didn't come up with too great an answer. So not quite at a place where it's able to produce complex medical responses or provide medical judgment at this time.
1: Yeah, I totally hear you. I've heard that once before um, as well. And I'm actually impressed that ChatGPT is able to do other languages. So thank you for letting me know that. Um, The next question I wanted to ask you is, what is the future of technology in medicine?
2: Um, I'll break the question down. In education, uh, hopefully we see more curriculum integration. So I think Stanford School of Medicine has an AI and healthcare class. Uh, At this time, technology classes are not formally on med school LCME requirements, uh, but the AAMC, which is one of our kind of larger bodies that med schools follow, Um, has recommended the provision of telemedicine as an EPA or an entrustable professional activity. So basically what that means is that we're encouraging it, but we're not enforcing it. So I would like to see that change towards formally integrated in curriculum. I, I actually wrote a paper on medical school, excuse me, medical student comfort with telemedicine at my own medical school, and it pretty definitively showed that though med school, though med students are able to get by, they feel much more comfortable and confident in their clinical ability in person. Uh, The kind of second half of that question I'd like to address is more on the patient resource side of things. I'd like to see it's better using tech to connect patients to local resources based on patient-specific requirements. So currently I could Google food banks for patients and that's not too difficult, but it's a lot harder for me to provide a food bank open for a patient at the hours they need with language requirements that patients have with products that they need, if they have food restrictions or if they need childcare products. So basically it'd be nice to better harness GIS or geographical information systems to tailor patient care, uh, especially in addressing social determinants of health needs.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much for giving us that insight. Um, Since your expertise is in psychiatry, do you have an idea of what the future of tech in psychiatry is in particular?
2: Yeah, so the, the big change that tech provides is access to populations that we don't always see. And that's not necessarily a novel thought, but we can harness existing data we have to better direct those efforts. So speaking to psychiatry, uh, traditionally the highest risk population for suicide is Caucasian men above the age of 65. And actually now as we're gathering more data, we're seeing really large burdens of mental health going uh, truly unaddressed in Native American populations. We're seeing increases in suicides in our black African-American and Latinx populations in both adults and child and adolescent groups at rates that have never been seen before. So now that we have parity in talent medicine, at least until the end of next year for Medicare and Medicaid, and the most access to technology on Native American reservations that we've ever had, we should, in theory, be able to increase access specifically for these populations. So the future of tech in psychiatry, really like everything else, is gonna be data-driven. Um, a couple other things we're seeing we're seeing genomic testing uh, happen a lot more in all of medicine. In psychiatry right now, the data is actually not all that strong yet, but one day I imagine it's really just going to be a part of standard intake for patients. Uh, another exciting development that's happened rather recently in psychiatry is that we now have things like digital therapeutics for ADHD. So we have FDA-approved computer-based game therapy for ADHD patients. And we don't have data on long-term outcomes yet, but if we find that this works as an efficacious medium to treat ADHD, it could be a really nice non-pharmacological solution. Uh, Kind of on the other side of things, conversely, we're seeing a lot newer psychiatric pathologies develop or increase in prevalence of as a result of the world around us and by really by virtue of access so i'm seeing a lot more gaming addictions gambling addictions pornography addictions i was actually just working on the child and adolescent unit and it's really kind of shocking actually how much exposure young children have to explicit movies music violent or extreme pornography Uh, i mean there's there's TikTok suicide challenges out there right now. So as times change, and as demands change, we'll have to find creative ways to address all these issues too. And I imagine technology is going to play a very large role in that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything that you just said. Thank you so much for all that insight. And Ms. Delanyi, before I let you go, the last thing that I wanted to ask you was something that I ask a lot of professionals in your space, um, since we're talking about AI and chat and all of those types of things. Looking forward, how should we consider the ethics of tech and medicine?
2: Yeah, great question. So earlier we spoke about chat GPT Uh, And at this time, really all AI-generated patient-facing information, whether that's medication instructions for patients or a therapy worksheet that I provide them, really needs to be reviewed by myself or, more generally speaking, by a clinician. Uh, We're just not in a place yet where AI can produce information for patients that clinicians are not part of the transaction for. Uh, The other obvious thing is patient privacy. Uh, Patient data should obviously be protected, and we should only be sharing it with patient consent. We also need to ensure safe protocols, especially on telemedicine. For example, if a patient is having a psychiatric telemedicine appointment and endorses suicidal ideation over a telemedicine visit, the provider really should know the protocol for these cases well before participating in the telemedicine encounter. We... Also want access to be equitable, and I know that's a buzzword that everyone's using, but the good news about having all this data is that it's actually measurable. So, resultantly, we should really be accountable for patient outcomes by zip code, by identified race, gender, type of insurance, any other demographic information. This is the exact thing that data in healthcare would point out discrepancies for and change the outcomes for. Um, and lastly, just to acknowledge the other side of this, we have this mass movement to integrate technology into medicine, and it's, it's helped in so many ways, but we also don't want to get to the point of automatization where things become discriminatory. So earlier, I know I briefly mentioned genomics, and while tech tools are beneficial and they can help guide our clinical decision-making, at the end of the day, clinicians should still be using their own own medical judgment about how this data should be used in the context of each individual patient.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Thank you so much for those final thoughts, Ms. Delani. This has been an amazing discussion, so I want to thank you so much for coming on Pickers Healthcare. Care. We really do appreciate it, and we will love to have you back. Um, and I also look forward to connecting with you again soon.
2: Thank you so much for having me.